Welcome to the Lila Life Show. I'm your host, Linda Andrews, and you've tuned in to the right place to up-level in your life and business. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Lila Life Show. This is your host, Linda Andrews, and I am very excited to present to you our amazing Dr. Trina Boyce, who is one of our Lila Life coaches. Welcome to the show, Dr. Trina. Well, hello. Thanks for having me. I am so happy to be unpacking what we were deeming a life well-lived in the episode preview. And um, as we unpack this, you know, a, a, a life well-lived, a life well-living, right? You're very much in your life, but you are someone that I know as multi-passionate, and I think some of our listeners can definitely resonate with with that. So I don't even know where the beginning would be for you, aside from you telling me you've known as a very young girl that you wanted to be an author. Um, so let's start with the author piece, but I do want to have this theme coming through of multi-passionate. So wherever you'd like to begin about coming into being an author and how that relates to you being a multi-passionate human. <laughs> I am a multi-passionate human. I am so fascinated with everything. And that's, I think, one of my strengths, but also one of my downfalls because I have shiny object syndrome. Oh, look at that. I want to learn all about that. Oh, look at that. I want to go there. I want to do that. I want to eat that. I want to try that. So yeah, I tend to be overly excited and enthusiastic about everything. Um, but that is a life of passion. And I think that's how life should be lived. What an incredible gift we have to live on this earth, especially in this time of the history of the world and all that it offers to us. Um, so yeah, I'm interested in variety. It is the spice of life. And actually you and I have talking about spices, you and I have spices in common in a sort of way. Uh, yeah, I used to teach at a culinary college, the famous Le Cordon Bleu from Paris. I didn't do it in Paris. We had a campus here in Las Vegas where I live here in Nevada. And you went to culinary school too, right? Yep, I was uh, in 2015 into 16 at the Natural Gourmet Institute for a year. Wednesday nights and Saturdays was class. I was working remote before working remote was cool, uh, Monday through Friday and flying from New Jersey back to Florida every three to four weeks to be back in the office for Morgan Stanley. And that was my life for a year. So it was very unique. It was, I say, one of the best years of my life. And uh, there's something about food that I'm imagining we can relate about that it's like it connects to so much in life and the art of cooking that it's like, oh my gosh, like you want to learn, talk about personal development, like just going through the process of cooking. There's so much there that uh, I was surprised to learn in culinary school about relating to self. Absolutely. Uh, at Le Cordon Bleu, we taught obviously culinary classes, but I also taught some of the academic classes. For example, I taught a psychology class and the students were so funny. They're like, professor, we don't want to take 
psychology. We want to be in the kitchen, you know, and they had to because they were graduating with not only a culinary certificate, but also with an associate's degree. So Mm -hmm. it was part of the degree program. But I said, are you kidding me? Psychology has everything to do with food and food has everything to do with psychology. We eat with our, our eyes long before it gets to our mouth. Um, anyway, I had such a great time there. And I always tell people, yeah, I used to teach at a culinary college and I have the weight gain to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, there I would come home from class with bags. They would give you those little plastic bags. I know plastic, but uh, and we would be able to take home any of the leftovers from class yeah. each day. And I was living with my brother at the time and he, he would just be so happy. Like, what do you have today? And him and our other roommate, we would just have so much food and, uh, you know, natural gourmet tended to be on the health supportive side. They got acquired by ice actually. So it's interesting to see their, their evolution. And Trina, Dr. Trina is not only a legal life coach, but a mother an educator, well-educated, a best-selling author of 31 nonfiction books, amongst many other things. So I think that, you know, bringing up the shiny object syndrome, I get it, but you also are quite well accomplished. And how have you balanced the shiny object syndrome with those accomplishments over (laughs) over time? If you feel you have, if not, that's fine. You can be like, I'm just doing it. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, I am kind of just doing it. That is a great question. A a question for life balance, Mm -hmm. right? How do you manage all of those things? And I don't claim to have perfected that skill at all, but I'll share an experience with you that I thought really resonated with me at the time. I was uh, living in California. That's where I grew up. And I went to this governor's conference for women. I was with, uh, I was, I won young mother of the year with the California. Shout out to Trina. (laughs) We can talk about parenting and how uh, that award is something that makes all four of my boys just laugh at because They know what a mother I really am. But anyway, I was there representing that organization at this governor's conference for women. And this was back when Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor, the governator of California. (laughs) Anyway, it it was me and 10,000 of my closest friends. It was just this massive event. And I remember, I mean, we had big name guest speakers. Here at Leela Life, we love to talk about breathing and meditation. And the Dalai Lama was just one of the speakers. I got to meditate with the Dalai Lama, which was actually super fun. He was so hilarious because this is a total digression here. But uh, he would start saying, okay, and this is, we're now going to be quiet. And we'd be quiet for about 15 seconds. And then he'd start laughing and talking about something, you know. (laughs) Anyway, it was hilarious. But all of these keynote address speakers were incredible. And I sat in this panel where, you know, Oprah Winfrey, the president of um, BET Entertainment and Meg Whitman, who was the CEO of eBay at the time, and a bunch of other big powerhouse women that apparently or 
look like they just have it all, right? The mm-hmm. fame, the fortune, the success, the happiness, and all of that. And I remember somebody from the audience asked a question, how do you balance it all? You know, these women are powerhouses and everything they do. And so each one of them took turns answering the question. And a lot of it involved, well, my nanny helps with this. And my personal trainer does that. My personal chef does that. And I just looked around like, does anybody else have one of those? And, you know, I could probably balance really well if I could afford to have all of that team and entourage helping me every day. But finally, I just will always appreciate Meg Whitman. A lot of the women's message was, you can have it all, you can do it all. And again, I thought, well, yeah, with a huge supportive team, you could. But she said, you know, It's a balancing act that you juggle every single day. One day you are going to just crush it in business because maybe you're working 14 hours a day and your family and your home life might suffer because of that. Or the next day you might have a a date night with your husband. So your marriage is just rocking it. But then maybe your work suffers because you had to leave work early in order to do this special event. In other words, she says, every day it's, not a hundred percent success in every area of your life. Your focus might mm-hmm. allow you to see success in one day in one aspect. And then the next day you got to pay attention to something else. You know what I mean? And so I just mm-hmm. appreciated her honesty and that it is a daily struggle trying to make time for everything that's important. And one thing I've definitely learned in life is you, you make, time for the things that are important to you. If something is urgent, all of a sudden that becomes the most important thing. And life will just pass you by if you don't grab those moments. For example, I created my very first bucket list when I was I don't know, a teenager. And I would look at that list every year and say, someday, someday, you know, I'll do this thing or that thing. And then finally, I looked at that list and thought these some days are never happening. I need to make them happen. And so I've got with my husband, we sat down and we started planning dates, putting these bucket list items on our calendar and making them happen. And that's made all the difference for me in order to do a lot of stuff, but to actually schedule it. This is going to be a part of my life. I'm doing it. I'm making it happen. Awesome. So actually, Yeah, you would ask me about when I was a little girl and how I got into the whole author thing. Mm -hmm. As a little girl, I just knew I was going to be an author. And I think there's something that really speaks to your soul when you are little that that tells you this is going to be your thing. And I didn't know how it was going to play out. I didn't know what I was going to write. But at some point I thought, okay, when is this going to happen? Oh yeah, I guess I need to actually write something. So I thought, okay, it's going to be probably pretty ugly, but I'm going to write something and throw it out there and see what happens. And um, thankfully I started off with one publisher who believed in me and a lot of it has to do with timing. I found the right agent at the right time and obviously the rest is history. But since then, I've worked with a lot of different publishing houses and different agents over the years. And that part of my career has evolved as all things do. And I think um, one of the biggest lessons I've learned too is to just take action. Mm -hmm. It's scary to take action when you don't know what you're doing, but if you still take action anyway, it becomes easier. And 
who knows what can happen? Amazing things happen when you're courageous. And, uh, you know, I think about that growth edge all the time, how on one side of the growth edge is comfort and familiarity, things you've already done and been successful at. And if you are brave enough to cross mm -hmm. that scary threshold on that growth edge, on the other side is growth, right? And and that's such an exciting place to live. It's scary for sure, but it's exciting because new opportunities emerge, like being at Leela Life, for example. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the things that you said about the taking action and it's like, I think that some people can get so caught up in the how, like, how is this going to happen, right? How am I going to, yeah. and, you know, in the case of being an author, best-selling author of 31 books, right? Like if you wouldn't have started and been caught up in the how, and like, I see this a lot in perfectionism. It's like, I'm not even going to start writing the first page until I know how my 31 books are going to come to life. And you could spend your whole life figuring that out and not take any action. And I think this is a common thing about that kind of, did you call it the, I'm thinking of it as the fear edge. Tell me the word you use, the edge. The growth edge. The growth edge. But this growth edge of uncertainty right, is uncomfortable, brings up the fear, but that is where all the reward comes. And I know that's a lot of work that you can help your clients with and do. And it's, I think about this sometimes in the big picture, how many people have dreams and visions that they won't rub up against their growth edge, overcome that fear, try and learn, try and fail, try and adjust, right? But it's like the debilitation of the fear. And the piece I get caught up in wonder is <laughs> what the world would look like when each of those people take that step, right? And get the information and make the judgment and go and go and go. And uh, I hope for everyone listening right now, you find that quite inspiring, especially if you have something on your heart or mind that you want to take action on and haven't, and perhaps a conversation with someone like the amazing Dr. Trina could be inspiring because she is someone that is quite accomplished, but in the accomplishments are the lessons, right? Is the growth, is the opportunity to help someone come on the other side of those blocks. So, you know, plug for Dr. Trina, number one. Number two is... Uh, you know, you're talking about balance. And I hear this a lot, especially with mothers, especially with women in business. It's like the um, illusion of balance, right? And, and someone, a speaker a while back was like, it doesn't exist. And, and maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But what you're saying is like, you could have date night and tomorrow you can have the best day of work ever. And then you have so much fun with your son and it's like the ebb and flow. Absolutely. Do you have any recommendations for people that are not even sure what's out of balance. Like how do you even come to terms with what's out of balance? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Um, there's a, a really helpful tool called the wheel of life. And basically just picture a circle, a wheel, and it's divided into little pie pieces, little shapes. You could imagine that cross sections. And whenever I set goals, New Year's resolutions, of course, although I look at them every week and every month, make sure I'm still on target. I divide my life into seven different areas. They all end in, oh, there's 
spiritual, physical, emotional, social, financial, intellectual. What did I forget? It seems like there's seven. There's one more. Oh, professional. Yeah. And so I try to check in, evaluate how am I doing on each of those areas? Because in order to have a balanced life, there needs to be effort and goal making and mistakes and, you know, just really effort and energy in each of those areas. Um, you mentioned that uh, I, when I work with my clients, for example, I, I, that's such a great one, a little exercise to start with to say, okay, where, tell me, where are you crushing it? And where are you feel like you really could use some support? And so we start with wherever the client wants to start. Um, I got my start in coaching as an author coach. And as we were talking about fear, these authors many, many times are so fearful of making a mistake. And so I, you know, they will edit their writing before they've even finished writing the sentence. And I said, no, no, no. This applies to life as well as in writing. You have to be brave enough to put it out there and have it be ugly the first time. It's called a draft for a reason. And our life is kind of like that too. The first time we try anything new and different and scary, it's not going to be our best effort. It's not going to be pretty. (laughs) And so you have to be willing to learn. And honestly, the best way to learn both as an author or in business, because I coach small business owners and entrepreneurs as well, is to be willing to to learn from the mistakes. And when you actually do take action, that's how you learn. You can talk theory all you want, but I call it practical application. You got to get down and dirty, get into the the dirt and actually start doing it. And then that light bulb turns on, you go, oh, okay. It's like, as if somebody explained to you how to create a Word document, you know, if you've never done that or a PowerPoint or something in Excel, some Google Doc. Yeah, some software you've never used before. And I could describe it and you'd be all, oh, okay. Yeah, I think I get it. But until you actually get into the software and start, creating the document or whatever, you know, that's when the light bulbs turn on. And that's true for life too. And just going back, true in the kitchen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Full circle. Um, one of the things that really suck out, and you mentioned like bucket list, one of our coaches specializes in bucket list coaching. And obviously it's something that's been a tool you've used in your life. I'm assuming you use with your clients as well. Um, But it's this funny moment when you're like, this isn't just going to happen, right? And I see in the coaching, like manifesting, spiritual world, even a friend of mine recently said, you know, I did the vision board, but it's not working. And it's like, right, because the action that you're not taking every day towards the vision is what's making the vision not happen. And what I see a lot, and you can relate to this, it's like, Step one is seeing, declaring, getting your bucket list clear, but what are all the other things that you're going to do to support that? And I actually find this to be maddening sometimes because you can see someone's potential and like their connection to the vision, but the action's not happening. 
practical application. Yeah, you got to take action steps. So when I set goals, of course, I'm setting long term goals, you know, five years out, 10 years out. And that's fun and energizing. But you have to then deconstruct it and say, okay, now working backwards, if I want to see my life that way in five or 10 years, how, what steps do I need to take? How do I make that happen this month, this year, this day? And yeah, exactly that. Take those action steps. And you may not see immediate results because that's a, a long-term goal, but you're working towards it. What do you think, and a few of these could have already been threaded through the episode, it's not a trick question, but what do you think are some of the reasons why someone does not take those actions? I know there's many, but if you could summarize, you know, your top one to five reasons why people aren't taking their actions to their long-term goals, what do you, what would you say that is? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, and I see that with my clients. They have great hopes and dreams. And part of it is mindset, that they're a little afraid. What if I give it 100% and it's not good enough? That's scary to put yourself out there. I'm constantly telling, for example, my author clients and my small business owner, you know, get out there, do Facebook lives or post social media. And it's really scary. What's so funny is even my authors are afraid to write blogs. I'm like, but you're a writer, you know, but they think, well, what if people don't like it? What if they don't like me? What if it doesn't work? If I don't try and it fails, well, then I can just say, well, I didn't really try. But it, what happens if I really try and it doesn't work? That's so disheartening. So I think people are afraid of failure and rejection and not being good enough. I find that oftentimes with my coaching, I spend a lot of time as a cheerleader. You can do this. It's going to be awesome. You're going to be amazing. In fact, I was talking with a client just the other day and I had given her an assignment to write a list of all of her accomplishments in life. She had just decided not to go to school anymore. She has some disabilities and so it's especially challenging and it was causing anxiety and stress. And it really was something, a goal that she had put on herself and her family, She we had determined her family was still gonna love her if she didn't uh, go on to get this certificate that she wanted. And um, But I could tell she still felt badly about herself. She saw herself as a failure. And anyway, so we were working through all of that together. And she said, you know, I couldn't think of any accomplishments at all. I'm like, wow. that can't be true. <laughs> Let's start back from when you were in elementary school. Did you ever win any contests? And she's like, oh yeah, I did. And she, you could kind of see her shoulders straighten. <laughs> and then I, saw, I, I said, okay, now moving on middle school, high school, you know, throughout your life, things that you have done. And and it was interesting because I found out, I knew she was married, but I found out in that conversation, she had actually been divorced. She'd been married before. And so she was like, yeah, and her shoulder slooped, stoop, what's the word? Slumped down. down. Yeah. Anyway, I could tell physically that she felt like, oh, that's just another one of my failures. And I said, wait a second, you successfully got out of a very unhealthy marriage that's a win. I know a lot of women who stay in a bad marriage, men too, really, in a bad marriage, just 
because they feel like they're supposed to stay there. And I said, you saw the writing on the wall. Things were not good, not healthy. You had the courage to get out and say, nope, no more. We're done. And it was like a light bulb went on for her. And she's like, I never thought of that as an accomplishment. I said, absolutely. And I I added it to her list. And pretty soon her list actually was, of course, very, very long. And, um, And I think that that's really important to... One thing a coach can do in addition to accountability is a coach can help you see yourself in a way that you don't see yourself. They can see without being emotionally invested like your friends and family might be. We can kind of see this is this is what's happening here. It seems pretty obvious to me. <laughs> Let's work on some action steps to, you know, change the direction or to do, you know, achieve this goal or whatever it is that their goals are. And I, I love that being able to help someone to see themselves in a better light. And I do that with my students. You mentioned I'm an educator. I, I teach online at a university. And one of the assignments that my students have, which I've carried in in my coaching business, is they're supposed to list their talents. And then they're supposed to talk to a friend or a family member to also list their talents. And then part of the assignment is a writing assignment where they're supposed to describe any any new insights or any discrepancies. Were those two lists different? Mm-hmm. What, what surprised them? And a hundred percent. Every time the students say, wow, I had no idea. There's something called a Johari window and um, which I also use in coaching. And so now we talked about the wheel of life, which is the pies, but this Johari window is a square. And so divided into four quadrants and one quadrant is things that you know about yourself and everybody else knows about you. You know, like Linda is an awesome surfer. Everybody knows that she knows that she's been doing it for years. It makes her uber cool. The next quadrant would be things that you know about yourself that other people don't know. So whatever it is, you know, like I rode a hot air balloon once. Yes. Well, okay. Now we all know. So that moves into the other (laughs) stuff that people don't know in general. Another quadrant is things that people know about you that you don't know about yourself. And that's such a fun connection to make with a Mm -hmm. client, especially. And just to help someone see themselves different and better than what they thought that they were. And then the last quadrant I think is so fascinating. It's the total blind spot. Mm -hmm. It's the things you don't know about yourself and nobody else does either. Mm -hmm. Those could be hidden talents that you have yet to discover. I might, as a coach, recognize a certain skill or talent or think, you would be so great at this, I think. And the person's like, wow, I'd never even thought of doing that or trying that. And then they do, and then it becomes a skill or a talent or whatever. And so it's just another interesting exercise to really evaluate yourself. And I think it's really important to check in with yourself and see how are you doing in this life? Are you living a full life in all areas? Um, For those listening that feel like they aren't, you have a great model here of someone that is, Trina, uh, number one. Number two, also some really amazing tools that have come through in this short little episode um, that's reminding me of some of the amazing workshops that Dr. Trina leads that you may want to check out. So we'll have her webpage in the show notes that you can see her upcoming workshops. 
but she talks through some of these tools that you can learn even more in depthly and then certainly be able to have that one-on-one call with her and start to poke around in some of this. Like at its simplest, where are you? Where do you want to be? What were some of those visions and goals from early, early on that you're still not stepping into? Maybe the action isn't there, right? If the vision isn't there either, I know Trina can get you extra clear on that. So uh, I just wanted to spotlight that and promote that. We will certainly have all those links in there for our listeners. But you know, before we wrap for today, you know, one of the things that as you were talking really came through is that some people may be in a moment right now feeling uninspired, right? So you have these tool, two tools, the accomplishments, um, looking back at your accomplishments, seeing your gifts and talents, like taking those inventories, but either one more exercise or a word of encouragement for someone that's just like, God, life's really turned me upside down. Now what? Yeah, you know, so many people are feeling that way. I mean, with the pandemic, it's turned solid people into little melting mush pots because this is crazy, right? Um, So I think it's really important first to be aware of what your triggers are, you know, what sends you into an emotional spiral. Is it your work life, your family life, your social life, you know, your physical life, all of those things need to be evaluated. As you mentioned, you've got to first start with that inventory and look for triggers that set you off and fill your life with inspiration. So I have a daily podcast. It's called Daily Inspirational Quote with Trina Boyce. Not a very original title, but it's very descriptive. And I find that so many people will contact me and say, oh, thank you so much. It starts my day off right. And one of the workshops that Linda was referring to was a course on um, morning rituals and how really how you start the day can determine the quality of the rest of your life. So starting it with intentional inspiration, whether that's through prayer, meditation, breathing, exercise, you know, uh, warm tea or whatever it is to say, this is going to be the day I want or something even better. And there are so many ways to fill your life with inspiration. I'm not one for lots of clutter and knickknacks and stuff. And my house is very clean and organized and I have a few beautiful pieces that I intentionally purchased. However, if you looked at my desk where I'm sitting right now, you would just laugh because it's filled with all of these little things that when I look at them, they bring me joy. Awesome. <laughs> For example, oh, can you see him? This yep. is Groot. He's one of those Boppet toys, actually. I, um, I'm a movie critic and I have a movie review mom YouTube channel. And so you can watch my reviews there if you want. But um, this is just one of the little things. He just makes me laugh every time I see him. And I love to travel. I've done a lot of business trips in China. This is another little creature that I have. And he changes his face. I mean, just silly little things, gifts that people have given me, little knickknacks from travel. And I cannot sit at my desk and not just go, oh, look at all these cool, silly things. So I think it's important to surround your life. Like when I hear something, I always said, if I'm ever rich, I'm going to buy flowers and have fresh flowers. Can you see these flowers? Yeah, beautiful. 
Well, actually, I didn't buy these. My, um, my youngest son has a girlfriend who is awesome. She brings me flowers all of the Aww, time. So sweet. Like, Marry this girl. I love this girl. <laughs> but I, you know, I look at those and just simple little things to fill your day with joy. That's, and that's the thing you have only right now. Tomorrow's not promised. We can learn from the past, but we need to constantly be enjoying the present rather than having even preparing for the future, which is absolutely important. But if you're too focused on the future, you're letting it rob you of the joy that you can have right now. So there are so many exercises to vibrate higher, to increase your energy. And one of the simple exercises you can do is just feel genuine gratitude for what you have. That is exactly right. It is, there's this really cool vibration uh, tool that I use with my clients and picture a ladder. And if you're at the bottom of the ladder, you're feeling despair, apathy, depression. And there are exercises that you can do that I can walk you, my clients through that bring them up one level at a time. It's just, you're not going to jump from despair to gratitude and joy in one second, but you can go up in increments. And the point is to find those joyful moments every day. And that's what makes a life worth living and Full of, full of joy and happiness and meaning and purpose, right? Awesome, Trina. Thank you so much. I think uh, lots of gems for our listeners and I appreciate you and appreciate the work that you continue to do with Lila Life. And uh, thank you everybody for tuning in today. And we'll have all of Trina's information in the show notes for follow-up. And uh, thank you again, Trina. Thanks, Linda. Thanks for having me. You got it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Leela Life Show. Be sure to share, like, and comment. Tune in next week. And if you're not already a member of the Leela Life Collective, you'll want to be. So take a look in the show notes and be sure you sign up today. Have a beautiful day.